Aloha, Paratopia listeners. It's Jeremy Vaney, and I'm going to keep this brief. Um, as you know, I've been quiet uh, publicly in terms of, well, my actual voice here on our Undoing Radio slash Paratopia. Um, and he's so Vaney on YouTube. And I mean, I've been writing, <laughs> like I'll tweet. But I haven't been speaking, and that's just sort of my way of taking a public moment of silence because Lisa Ritzman passed away last December 19th. Uh, if you don't know, Lisa and Jeff were husband and wife. She was a fantastic person in her own right. Uh, an adventurous, I must say. <laughs> like, she went to Gettysburg uh, with us and a group of people when we did the Ghosts of Gettysburg um, episodes where we slept overnight at Mark Nesbitt's place, the man who really is synonymous with Gettysburg ghosts and the Ghosts of Gettysburg tour and all that. So we slept over at his place and, you know, trying to get EVPs and all that fun stuff. And she was right there with us. She was just a kind-hearted, smart, and funny soul. And she's no longer with us. Jeff's no longer with us, and, you know, I thought that doing this moment of silence for her would bother me, like not posting Paratopias religiously every Friday. But it actually doesn't. Like, I could never post another thing and be fine, except that I know that there are now new people listening, and I'm sure older people who have heard the show and want to hear it and all that, who I've said I would release everything to, so I'm going to do it. But I don't feel like I have to do it. And I didn't realize until she passed away, I just had, it just I guess, sort of unconsciously or something, I was really re-releasing this stuff for her, more so than Jeff's legacy, for her to see that Jeff's legacy was being preserved, if that makes sense, and for her to see him still out there and getting accolades and kudos and all that. It was really that and being protective of Lisa more than of Jeff. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I guess, come to terms with that until she passed away. But it's true. Um, so I don't feel the need to, to do it anymore, except that I'm just going to, you know? Um, and I don't know how she died. Um, I know that it was a mysterious illness, much like Jeff, right? <laughs> but, but of a different variety. Although, ha having said that, I don't know what the family has since found out. I haven't been in contact with any other family members. So for all I know, they do know what she passed away from. Um, but I don't know. Um, but it seems to not matter because there seems to be general agreement that whatever the physical cause, the cause of that physical ailment was her never-ending grief over Jeff having passed away. She essentially died of a broken heart, whatever else she died from. And, um, you know, I, I don't even know what to say about that, except that I had spoken with her a number of times on the phone since Jeff's passing, and she made it clear every time that she was not getting over this and not wanting to 
get over it. I don't mean to put it, I don't mean to say not wanting to get over it like, oh, you should just get over it and you don't want to and you're avoiding, but just like he was so much a part of her and she a part of him that it was as if a piece of her died, right? And I think she just didn't want to go on. And that, that which obviously she did not commit suicide, but I think it ate away at her. That's all. I think it happens. And I wanted to, just so you know this, this is something she wrote me fairly early on, right after Jeff passed away, and I had just written to her, you know, sending my condolences. And she said, it's all so surreal, like a nightmare I can't wake up from. He used to say to me, I couldn't survive without you. I'd respond, yes, you could, just like I'd survive without you. Won't be easy, but we'd survive. I was wrong. The emptiness is overwhelming. So that I think that was more true than I knew when she wrote it to me. Um, and that was in 2021. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the short answer of, of it. And I, my heart goes out, of course, to their son Cody and to their family. I guess I just want to say one more thing here. I want to be as delicate about this as possible because I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but I also am sick of protecting the feelings of people who can't read the room and press on with their own selfishness. And then it's on me to keep silent because I don't want to hurt their feelings or embarrass them or cause them shame or guilt, even though they don't care what they're causing me <laughs> or anyone else for that matter. But so that's all of that is to say that while I don't feel as though it is my job as co-host and bestie of Jeff Ritzman to protect his legacy necessarily or to write it, I do think that there were certain people who couldn't wait until his body was fucking cold before they jumped on trying to own him in different ways for their own different psychological issues. And I see this rearing up a little bit in one way um, after Lisa's passing. And I guess what I'm saying is, if I see a book out there that purports to be autobiographical, or if I see a documentary out there that purports to be, you know, autobiographical, and it's not coming of Jeff's or biographical um, that would have had his blessing were he alive, or were channeled from Jeff or something, um, even of that nature, I would call it out. I would call it out for what it is. I mean, it's fine to do biographies of people, and it's fine to, to write about their work and all of that. But um, if it's not coming from uh, the right place, if it's, if it's just coming from wanting to own Jeff because he had some sort of power in, in life, and I don't think he carries that power in death, just like I won't, you know? Like, we weren't famous enough. But I think we can get so caught up in online fame and all of that that it seems as though he's got a miraculous story that needs to be told and it will make millions of dollars and everyone will love it. You know what I mean? But I just don't think, I don't think um, 
the reality of selling a book or a movie or something works that way. <laughs> I just I know from experience. So he's not going to be that for you. Um, so anyone who's like trying to own him in some way because they think that they're going to gain from it, if if that becomes public, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak up. That's all. Um, I hope that wasn't too coded and was obvious enough to everyone. It's just I again I see the inkling of it happen happening and part of me protecting Lisa in my own small way was protecting her from that from people who were trying to own her husband own his story um or continue him on in some way by saying like I'm channeling him he's coming to me in dreams you know that sort of thing so there are these two things going on or were and um I just you know we were so against all of that stuff in life um that I don't know why anyone would want to make that of him in death or just do some sort of greedy self-aggrandizing you know cash grab disguised as oh I want to tell Jeff's story no you don't um, and so just come clean with yourself about what it is that you actually want and are doing. Or don't. But just know that if I see it out there in public, I'm going to call it for what I believe it is. All right. Um, all of that said, <laughs> if there are people who are like serious sort of students of this stuff, who really got a lot out of what Jeff um, brought to the table, by all means, promote it. Write about it, cite him in your books and your papers, whatever you know, whatever it is. Um, or if you stumble upon his life story and are like, oh my god, that should be a TV show or a movie or something, yeah, of course, go talk to his family about that. I mean, that's all like hypothetical stuff. I'm not saying that that's even out there, I'm just saying I'm not opposed to that done in the right way, I'm just opposed to it being done for the wrong reasons. Um, but ultimately. You know, his life and his legacy are not in my hands at all to begin with, right? Uh, I guess that would all be his family. So talk to them. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Don't bring this crap to me. Um, okay. And, I, and, and, and actually don't talk to them. Just leave them alone. Let them be. Talk to them in like five years. All right. Um, so that's that. I mean, my God, man, Paratopia is is done. Um, I guess it'll go on. I'll keep releasing them week after week. But wow, Lisa's death has really hit home for me in a way that is different than Jeff's even. Um, not worse, not better. Of course, how could it be better? but just different um what else what else need to be said i guess um so I, like i said i will keep these going uh until they reach their natural conclusion and if anyone is listening to these religiously please let me know if i miss it which i probably will when the paratopia live shows on sunday started up because 
I would like to release those on Sundays now as well so that it can be parallel, because I think we released the show uh, Paratopia on Thursdays, I think, and then Sundays we started doing a live show. So it'd be kind of fun to keep those two things going the way they were prior, and also it'll help you if we end up referencing Paratopia Live on the following episode or that episode on the following Paratopia Live. Um, it'd be nice to have them all out there in chronological order like that when they appeared. Um, so yeah, when, uh, when you catch a whiff of Paratopia Live being discussed, please write to me, Jeremy, at OurUndoing.com, <laughs> because I don't, or, you know, if, if you know me on social media, on Twitter or Facebook, wherever, uh, just let me know. Because um, odds are I will miss it because I don't listen to all of these all the way through when I post them. Okay. Uh, what else need be said here? Uh, I don't know. I quit Dreamland. <laughs> so the last episode, last week's episode, I guess, of Dreamland is my final episode of Dreamland. So there you go. Check that off the bucket list. Hosted Dreamland. What else is going on? Well, I guess I'm going to be sitting in on th some classes. Some of you may even know this name, Tom Cheatham. Um, he's an author and a scientist and a whatever, I guess a know-it-all of uh, Henry Corbin or Henry Corbin. Uh, know-it-all, an expert, I guess you would say. <laughs> I kid, I kid. But he knows it all, I'm just saying, he does. Um, but he uh, found my work through a speech that Jeff Kripal gave at Harvard that included me in it. And I guess Jeff, that was where Jeff had said, Jeremy Vaney is my teacher, and that some footnote or something, he was like, who's this Jeremy Vaney? And then he started reading my stuff and going, wait, this clown is his teacher? But then he kept reading, and, he, uh, and then he got it. And so now he's teaching it in an online seminar series, which I am going to be a part of. We, we just, right before I recorded this, we just spoke for the first time, because he's been teaching uh, Supernatural uh, with Jeff Kripal and Whitley Strieber, their book. And then he's going to segue into Urgency. So I've been watching these online seminars, and they're interesting. So instead of just teaching mine, he's going to do, like, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Tuesday he's going to speak, and then Thursday I will sit in. And if anyone has questions, great. If we just end up in a discussion, great. And we're going to do that for a few weeks. Tuesdays he speaks solo about my work, and then Thursday I, I join in the discussion. It'll be fun. You should consider joining. Um... And if you want to know about that, I'll, I'll have a link, I guess, with this show. Um, or you can write to me about that, Jeremy at OurUndoing.com. Um, I think it does cost money, um, but he may let you sit in for free um, if you ask him nice. <laughs> but, but try to give him some coin. I mean, you know. What else? I guess that's really it. Well, I guess I just... One more thing on the Tom Cheatham front... As I told him, 
he had said in the beginning, we'd had this email exchange and he told his class a little bit about it and just said, you know, that I was giddy that anyone was paying attention to me at all. And, well, not totally true. What I was giddy about was that him and his people were paying attention. Scholars and students of scholars who seem to be open-minded and this isn't their wheelhouse. So they're sort of clear vessels with an open mind who know how to listen for the sake of listening um, and bounce it off of their other references in philosophy and psychology and, and religion, you know, the humanities at large. Um, but they're not, they're not indoctrinated into the crap of ufology or the crap of New Age um, the way uh, my audiences are. You people, you know, you, you know who you are. Not all of you, obviously, um, but too many. And so too many. So what I'm giddy about is that there's finally an audience that I can trust will hear me. Whether they like what they hear or walk away from it, um, more skeptical or whatever, that's fine. But just not a bunch of know-it-alls who are waiting to bide their time to raise their hand to tell me what masters they are of the universe, you know? like that uh i don't care um or to to derail the conversation with a parallel conversation that they've been waiting to have or really a monologue about their own bullshit whether it be angels or channeling or you know disclosure movement ufo stuff or I don't know, ayahuasca, I don't know what. I'm just throwing things out there. Like, people think that we're talking the same language, uh, or they say they do, but really, you know, this has been my gripe forever, and you know it, you've heard it. Really, they just hear the buzzwords that appeal to them, and it's like, bing, 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 it like, you know, triggers the whatever in their serotonin. I don't know what it triggers in them, I'm no biochemist, but it triggers them in ways that make them feel jolly. And then they can't wait to tell their story, which is um, a bag of bullshit. And, or just not, not what I'm, I, okay, if you want me to be less judgmental, um, it's not what I'm talking about. So they literally can't hear me, and they don't want to hear. They just want to say their piece, which may or may not uh, have anything to do with what I've been talking about. Which is always, it's always frustrating, you know? So it'd be nice to have people who are at least willing to listen and know how to in a more sort of clinical sense, at least, of like, you really have to listen to hear what is being said by Henry Corbon or philosophers, you know, mystics and philosophers and that sort of thing. You have to sort of tune your ears differently to hear what's being said. And I think their ears are tuned, so maybe they'll be able to hear it which is just sad because they're not interested in this stuff. <laughs> and uh, presumably my audience would be interested in this stuff, at least as far as the UFO portion of the program goes. Um, but uh, sadly, too many people are not. Um, so I, I guess it's great to be able to branch out into a more appropriate audience. And I don't feel like bad or snobby saying any of this because I know that whoever is listening, you'll know that I'm not talking about you, right? Like, the only people who are offended are the ones like, my God, man, how dare you, you snoot from Kalamazoot. Yes, that's right, you're all Dr. Seuss fans, apparently. 
Um, but no, but yeah, the people who are offended are probably the ones who should be, <laughs> or should be, you know, uh, self-aware enough to listen to what I'm saying, to not be offended, but actually do something about it. But you're not going to be. Um, so I, I think anyone who's hearing this, if you're not offended, it's because you're you're correct that I'm not talking about you. Uh, all right. <laughs> What a happy episode this is. Um, is there any other update that I need to give before we go? Well, I guess since... Just to make this about something, I guess. And not just about the passing of Lisa. God, I can't believe she's dead. This is insane, but okay. Um, I, just something to think about, UFO people, is... Jeremy Corbell keeps releasing this uh, footage or photos of UFOs, UAP, that uh, is given to him by what? I guess anonymous sources in the military or intelligence community, I think the military. And it's stuff that's fairly easily debunkable. It's stuff that Mick West looks at, and they know who Mick West is, so they know that Mick West is going to look at it, and like within a day, he's going to be like, eh, it's probably this, or it's got to be this. And he's right. More times than not, he is right. Um, so why are they doing this? Has been my question, and I actually have some friends now who... Uh, if I were to pull a Richard Dolan, I would say I have my own anonymous sources within the <laughs> within the, those communities. And I had asked a friend of such caliber, why might they do that? Why might they release debunkable stuff? Because my thinking was they're releasing it to own this subject piece by piece, like the GoFast UFO matches with how people think of UFOs going really fast, right? Zipping around. So if you can debunk that, which I guess NASA did actually, right? Officially, uh, saying, no, this is actually going slow. Then you can own that piece of the narrative. Uh, oh, I guess they it's an illusion, a trick, when we think that they're going really fast. Or the latest thing was the chandelier. This is the most sort of like obvious. This chandelier UFO, it's a photo that looks like it was designed, for sure. I don't know that it looks mechanical, but it looks like a design. And I don't know what it was take a satellite photo or a drone photo, whatever it is. Well, what it is actually a photo of is, as McWest pointed out, it looks exactly like these blast patterns from these bombs here. Uh, they just happen to look that mechanically precise sometimes these these patterns and it's a hundred percent what he's showing i think um or 99.99 whatever percent certain that that's what it is but the person i think i think i heard the anonymous source on the phone with jeremy corbell talking about what this thing is um, or, you know, that it's not what it is, but that it's, in a, you know, unknown and we've been seeing this thing and blah, blah, blah. But it's a blast pattern. So, okay. 
that kind of takes away the sort of too-good-to-be-true photo of something anomalous in the sky. Um, there was the jellyfish UFO that Corbell released a few weeks back. Um, I, I, or video. I guess this is video going over a military base, and, it, you know, who, is it a smudge? Is it bird shit? What is it? Is it balloons? The story is that, it, you know, we don't see it on camera, but it go, dips into a lake, and for 17 minutes later, it comes back out. But then the person who is the witness to this thing actually said, uh, no, that didn't happen. It just flew over the lake. So here's another, like, story that at least Corbell wants to tell, where we have a, an object that goes into the water for some time and then comes right back out. Shades of the Tic Tac UFO, right? Except, no, that didn't happen. Um... But what is the object in question? Well, we can't be sure, um, but the likely answer is that it is balloons with some sort of detecting stuff hanging, dangling off of it, like tendrils. What would they be detecting? Oh, I don't know, atmospherics, um, maybe what broadbands we're using, you know, this sort of thing. How do I know that? Because I asked my friend. <laughs> Like, what would that be? And that was his guess. Um, I mean, he was not impressed with it at all because he was saying, stuff flies over all the time. The enemy, whoever the enemy is from several countries, are constantly flying things over just to see even how far over they can get before we take notice, to see what our reaction is going to be. They're constantly flying shit over military installations. And so it's not a big deal to him. And he said nine times out of ten, it's balloons. And he said, you'd be surprised at how much balloons are used. You know, it's drones or balloons, but balloons are still really good at certain things that other technologies aren't. Good enough. But that owns the jellyfish story, right? And the fact that you want it to be dipping into water really goes into it being some sort of organic <laughs> craft or something or other. But my feeling is like, why would it dip in and out of water? It would either, like, if there's a base underwater, go to the base. But you go to the base and then 17 minutes later, what, are you taking a pee break? Like, that doesn't make sense to me just in a, as a storyteller. Anyway, all of this is to say, what's going on here? And I th thought, like I said, that maybe they're trying to own all aspects of this in our, in our minds. Like, they, the military wants to impress its story into us and live in us rent-free, right? Replace our ufology with their ufology, one piece at a time. But my friend said, um, well, why do you think? Why do you think they're doing it? And I said that, or I started to, and he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, somebody's leaking something, and they want to figure out what it is, is or who it is, is, is probably what's happening, or they want to see where the information goes. So they would put in that, say, that bomb blast video into a certain database that they think someone is leaking out of, and they want to catch who's leaking it. So they put it in there. They, they call it secret, even though it's not. And it, it's like a fake top secret sort of thing that when the dummy leaker leaks it, they go, aha, you're the leaker, gotcha. You know, that kind of thing. Or And or trying to just sort of, you know, in a PSYOP way, in the same way that um, those Area 51 stories were made up to catch spies, catch foreign or catch Russian, essentially, spies, the way Greg Bishop wrote about all those years ago, um, that they're kind of doing that with this. They're, you know, it's the 
Let's see where this information goes via the internet, via Jeremy Corbell. Again, Jeremy Corbell as a useful idiot, right? Which is, makes sense. My question is, if you're trying to catch a leaker, wouldn't the leaker know, like, wouldn't anyone in the military intelligence complex there know what a blast pattern is? Um, so, uh, but I guess not. I guess not everything is obvious to everyone, and you could be a low-level person sneaking around and trying to steal information and leak it to Jeremy Corbell. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm just throwing that out there because those those ideas to me make more sense or reasons make more sense than just like, oops, we got it wrong. We keep getting it wrong. Um, someone's leaking incredible, non-credible information on purpose or or someone is giving it to them, leaving it for them to find, to leak on purpose. Um, that's got to be it. Or uh, there are way too many really unintelligent people in intelligence and we're all doomed. <laughs> you know, like if nobody knows what any of this stuff is and it turns out that like we can figure it out within 24 hours, um, if that's the actual case, then we're all doomed. That really doesn't speak well of our military or our intelligence, especially the word intelligence, right? Uh, our capabilities. So let us pray that <laughs> the answer isn't, oh, we don't know what this stuff is, the way they claim. All right, that's that. But, I mean, again, that, that <laughs> just to, I guess, sort of end cap this, um, I'm saying all of this because and you know this as a Paratopia listener, there is a phenomenon there. There is an intelligence at play here that is non-human, at least in the way, in all of the ways I think that we have imagined. Um, and it doesn't seem to care what we call it or what we think of it. It's certainly not interested in naming itself and disclosing itself. So all of this disclosure stuff is garbage, and it always will be garbage. If the phenomenon doesn't care about where it's from or what its name is, um, then why should we? Maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Maybe it's not disclosing itself, not because it's nefarious and because it's hiding in the shadows in that way, but because those issues are, I don't know if you want to say surface level issues, but maybe just non-issues. The things that would be really we think would be really important, they're important to us. Where are you from? What's your name? That those aren't it. Because this mind that we have ain't it. This mind that is so fucking proud of itself for having gone to the moon um, is, is all too happy to, you know, imagine what it's like when the moon men come here and build up fantasies of war and intrigue. Uh, just like we have here on Earth, or uh, trade deals and, um, you know, uh, scientist exchange programs, just like we have here on Earth. We want everything to be just like we have here on Earth. But what we have here on Earth is an illusory sense of self, which is me-focused, which is separative, divorced from nature, fractured within itself, killing off itself and it thinks the planet although i'm sure earth will be just fine 
But in our fantasy, we're killing Earth, right? We're destroying the Earth and ourselves and blah, blah, blah. That's our fantasy about what... <laughs> that's our bloodlust fantasy of what we're doing. In reality, we're only killing ourselves because um, we're cancerous. And so we're, we're eating ourselves, essentially. We're, we're consumers. We're consuming. Um, so that mind ain't right. And if there is another mind here that is right with itself, it will know us better than we know ourselves. And it will understand, it will understand not just that we're mentally ill like this, but also that we need not be. And perhaps it is trying to wake us up, but not to another level of reality, not to a fifth density, not to another um, dimension, not to do a Noah's Ark and, and bring us survivalists to another planet while the Silicon Valley types and the oil executives, you know, AI this place to death and, and pollute and destroy. But really, they're bringing us, those of us who can read the room <laughs> that they're setting up for us, we can, if we can figure it out for ourselves, the little game of mousetrap here, um, it's waking us to our full dimensions of being a human being to fulfill what it means to be human. Could that be the case? Because that would be the only person worth talking to. That would be the only equal. And that would be the only person who would then understand like, oh, yeah, where you're from and what your name is and what your motives are and all of that. That was my own game in the illusion. That was just me projecting onto you. And so, of course you couldn't answer those questions. I was a mentally ill person asking mentally ill things that suit me, that come from me, and are all about me, 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 even though I'm saying they're about you, you, you. Um, they're not. And, in fact, there is no me and you. There is only us. Like that U2 song that you probably haven't heard because you stopped listening to them at Octung Baby. Well, shame on you, because the last couple albums were pretty good. So, anyway, that one was for my wife. Huge U2 fan. Love you, Carol. <laughs> uh, love most of you. <laughs> and I guess Paratopia will pick up next week. And um, whenever I get around to doing our and doing radio the next season, that will come out um, wise ask, I'm not sure. I may dump that too. Uh, he's so veiny, I'm going to keep going with. So look for that on YouTube. All of this stuff can, of course, be found at OurUndoing.com. <sighs> yeah. 2024. What do you have in store for us next? Please don't say World War III. Please don't say World War III. Please don't say World War III.